Oh, what a circus. Oh, what a <laughs> The entire I, world has gone to town. <laughs> I do not have the rights to Evita music, but I feel like they are watching Oprah interviews. Okay. <laughs> I'm Anne. <laughs> Hi, and I'm Malia. And we are the Royal Subjects, who may be having to just focus solely on history moving forward, because it looks like this morning the royal family got canceled. Wow, is um, my extremely insightful comment. I have others. Um, my dog is really upset about this. He usually doesn't even bother to come, but he's a corgi and he feels really invested. So he's just sitting here like nudging me over and over again. Sorry, it's crazy distracting. Corgi is very unsettled by everything that's going on and needs to let it out. Apparently. Okay, so if you hear any, you know, growling. yeah, so there's like mild growling. That's the fact that the dog is not happy with this interview. Apparently, um, he wants to speak half of the queen. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of opinions. Uh, so some of my some of these opinions are the dogs, and I take no responsibility for them <laughs> that are about to be expressed here. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, uh, we have tabled. Uh, more in a deep dive on history today to to react to last night's interview with Meghan and Harry with Oprah, which was a very hard interview for anyone with a heart to watch. But we're going to actually do a critique, which involves our brains as well. So a critique is something that people aren't very used to anymore. But after the past couple of years we've had, I have made critical thinking a priority of mine. So in a critique, you watch something or you read something, evaluate the content and comment on it. Now that's not a hashtag and that is not a criticism and that is not something that you just level at people without substantiation. It is called a critique and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Yes, that's a nice way of putting it in a a way of saying that. Um, You know, (laughs) it's, you know, Things are never exactly what they appear. You have a very stage-managed sort of thing. Um, As often these things are, you know, the the whole point is to give a feeling of authenticity and revelation, um, but an enormous amount of time, effort, and money goes into it. So (laughs) it's never quite as spontaneous and... uh, you know, revelatory as they seem, there is a certain amount of, well, you know, media manipulation. We are talking about people who have, some people who have been in the spotlights their whole life, um, the media, which has its own uh, reasons for wanting to be involved in this and their own goals, although a lot more easy to figure out. <laughs> and it's, uh, there's just a lot to it. There's a lot to unpack here <laughs> in terms of the media and the royal family. <laughs> Our English, our actual royal subject counterparts, we are Americans, as obviously, as you can hear from our voice, and we are not stakeholders. So we are just making comments. Um, I've seen things this morning saying, well, Harry are the real royals and whatever, and the, the queen is, this is the end of the royal family. Well, we're not stakeholders in that. You are. And so we just want to acknowledge that while we sit here and talk about something that really actually doesn't affect any of us. Yeah, there, there is that too. And I do think that um, one of the interesting things here uh, is that, you know, you can't really, um, as 
and either just pointed out or pointed out when we were talking about earlier, and I know I don't remember, is that, you know, this is an interview for an American audience. And, you know, you really have to understand how America sees the royal family, which is sort of with this affectionate, you know, super celebrity thing. That's how Americans see royals. I mean, that part, I think the crown is pretty good on, you know, the sort of like, ooh, that's really cool, you know, that's really socially advantageous to me. I can talk, you know, but at the same time, we have no real investment, no real interest. Um, you know, no one really thinks about, you know, why the royal family exists for Britain or what it might mean to them. That's not remotely part of our way of looking at it. You talk to us about, you know, symbols of unity and continuity and are just, you know, you'll get a big shrug. Yeah. So. <laughs> And a little, or let alone anything bipartisan, you get an even bigger shrug. So, uh, and history has become fan fiction to a lot of people now. Uh, so, I, I really feel strongly that we, we, we said that because this morning, not only my phone, but of course the, uh, the news is afloat with people leveling, it was William, it was this, it was that, you know, this is the end of the monarchy, F all of them, F all of them. You know what? Okay, Americans say that, but it's not ours. So, let that's not our, you know, you can say what you want, you can feel what you want, and also feel great compassion for Meghan and Harry and wish them happiness, and also just say, shut up, you're overdoing it. Yeah, meanwhile, my <laughs> phone is like, what, who the heck, is, who does she think she is? <laughs> so that gives you an idea of the uh, <laughs> diversity of thought on this, which is that, you know, I've got people who are like, that was awful. I don't like her, you know, that kind of thing going on. So, well, Malia, I'd used, if you said something really great the other day before the interview went on and I actually called Michael Smirconish and stole your line on his show. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was that I believe that he appreciated the brevity and conciseness of it. So I, I credit that to you here. Um, <laughs> that I believe <clears throat> that it was incredibly hard for them beyond anything we can understand. I believe that courtiers are horrible snobs and probably some of them are racist. And I also believe that people who want privacy and safety and quiet for their family don't move to LA and go on Oprah. I think I had a little more sympathy when they were in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's the, gigantic maybe not an elephant but some kind of very large mammal in the room is that all of this display um all of these claims you know they they are very public they're very the opposite of everything we hear there's a lobbing grenades at an institution which they know very well is not going to respond in any kind of public way because they don't they can't and they never have so it's really Interesting. Uh, I in my quick, uh, you know what we have here, it appears to me maybe we should go over some of the content because we keep referring to it like everyone watched. <laughs> known this. Okay, so I would like to say one more thing historical because I just can't help myself. So, to those of you who have just been around since Diana watching or following this or rolling your eyes at it or whatever it is you do, um, the royal the royal family and the media have not always had this push me pull you relationship that that um, we see today in the modern media and social media, especially. Um, frankly, this relationship and quote, access to royal family began 
in the 1830s, uh, or sorry, 1850s, when um, Prince Albert, recognizing that there were labor revolts going on, bombs being thrown in carriages, assassination attempts at his wife, Queen Victoria, that the very the very existence of the British monarchy itself was in question and threatened deeply. So he wanted to shine a human light on them and not just make them seem like let them eat cake crap, that people were, you know, coming there marching on the palaces. They had to flee London. Um, and so he invited choice uh, uh, reporters to come and kind of do a diary of what their daily life was like with sketches of them like sewing or petting their spaniels or whatever. But it was, again, staged. It wasn't a day in their daily life. It was just like a snapshot of, that they wanted the world to see. And it was to humanize them. So, and let's say, you know, the 150 years since then, the media and access to the royal family via certain media channels has completely changed people's how they feel that they own a piece of the monarchy or can relate to it. So now we've come full circle with people saying this is the end of the monarchy again in England, and it's because of the media, whereas Prince Albert started it to try to stop that from happening. So be careful what you wish for kind of thing here. I hand it over to you. Yeah, so, I mean, here's here's the funny thing, you know, is it the end of the monarchy or is it, you know, I keep the, the metaphor I've been using and it's not even original. I realized as I skipped through the tabloids this morning because I've seen it three other times. Is is this just an Edward Eighth and Wallace Simpson moment? And, um, you know, it, is the monarchy <laughs> brought down? Oh my gosh, the idea, the the temptation to be like snarky and glib is so so high right here. But I will actually be mature. Is the monarchy brought down by not so much uh, Meghan and Harry as like the power of social media and media culture? Because yeah. I think that's really more what we're looking at here. Um, no, no offense intended, but neither of these two give me the impression of people who. And, and that's one of the things that's stunning to me is, okay, so we have all these uh, revelations. We have the fact that, um, you know, the the mental health issues, the fact that the palace was mean to uh, Megan, that people, you know, um, were unwelcoming, that they, you know, constantly were, which we knew about already, you know, questioning uh, Harry's thing, Harry's decision to... Uh, um, marry her we have the claim that someone from the palace you know spoke to harry about what color skin um their children might be after they're born in the interview it says that you get the implication that that was when megan was pregnant in separate articles we've seen things where it's been clarified that that was when they were going to get married so before she was pregnant um but there isn't a lot of clarity about that more on that later uh we have you know megan talking about being bullied by the media and feeling unprotected by the palace we have her talking about how um Kate made her cry. We have her talking about how they had to leave the UK, you know, that they started thinking about it just months after the wedding. We have um, security and their titles, you know, their, their patronages, but more importantly, they lost their security. Yeah. We have the, the implication that 
uh, the, her, their son wasn't going to be a prince, you know, and that made them unhappy. And um, that that's somehow tied into the race. There's the implication that it's related to race. Let's just put a pit in that um, because that's its own thing. Um, no one gets to be, okay, you know what? We're not going to put a pin in it. <laughs> Never mind, because I'm going to forget about it. Um, no one gets to be a prince, like, or princess automatically, except for the actual, like, children of the sovereign. Yeah, so, like, Prince Santa is looking at this and rolling her eyes pretty hard. Yeah, because, and then most of them aren't. Uh, I guess the, the you know, that's sort of like a choice thing to, to a large degree. Uh, I think Eugenie and Beatrice are princesses. They're right? blood princesses, yeah, and... Um, yeah. And that's what they call themselves. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, the only people who are automatically princes are, like, the, like, right in line uh, yeah. immediately. So, you know, William, Harry, William's children. Um, like, all the, you know, Anne's children, Edward's children. Um, most of them are earls and counts or viscounts. Like the, the the Princess Anne's children, they opted for them to not have any titles at all. Yeah, so that's not like that's not the automatic dis it occurs to be. There's no, to my knowledge, there's no like special security you get if you have the word prince and you're one of the royal family, as opposed to not having the word prince in front of your main name. It's one of the things that's like a little manipulative about either the interview or the editing or something about it because you know that's put out there like it's a they said he couldn't be a prince yeah that's, that's not exactly how it works the same the thing happens that we're getting from the beginning of the interview that, that we're going to unpack here as best we can and not go into the weeds too much as best we can is that it may, like we said megan gets married to harry we read earlier that william had doubts about that girl or whatever are you sure you want to marry this girl and then that set harry off and then then there's the fight before the wedding on the bridesmaids dresses thing i still don't care about that yeah <laughs> you know? let's just take a moment to be like that's one of the things that makes this whole experience very weird to me is that in the middle of it we drag in this like tabloid cat fight that i still hate as a topic for things that like yeah like when you're getting ready for a wedding like at some point you are probably going to fight with one of the other people involved and like but this like desperation like you know kate th this you know, this Kate versus Megan thing that like has to be a thing. Because you're not white and you're not Kate. And who do you think you are? Which always seems to be the theme here. Who do you think you are? Right. <sighs> and so then they have their, they have the wedding, which was really beautiful and very personalized and authentic, which was another word for the night. And then, and then they go on a tour of the Commonwealth and she announces she's pregnant and they really love Commonwealth stuff. You know, it was made clear to him that that was going to be kind of his goal. Their gig was going to be doing Commonwealth stuff all the time. So then she has the baby and then he called Master Archie and the PR, quite frankly, y'all, the PR that they put out at that time from their office was that that's the way they wanted it. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. Like, this is Master Archie, and we're going to live a normal life as a family. Yeah, I'm sure there's a backstory, but, you know, they they green-lighted green that when it happened, too. Um, and then, so, then she, she things did really deteriorate. Megan works her ass off and does a lot of events and doesn't get the same glowing stuff as Kate because people are awful, and that's true, and the media is awful, and that's true, and, and you know, the tabloids. So she takes off with Archie to Canada and Harry tries to deal with family stuff and then follow her 
So they think they're envisioning that they're going to be in Canada and have a Commonwealth role, if not Australia or something like that, and kind of be like the prince and princess in Commonwealth territory doing events. I think that's what I took away from last night. And then the racial stuff kept getting worse. And then Charles cut off their security. And they moved to Los Angeles, where she is originally from. Uh, so the whole thing is about how they've been done wrong. And there are no questions coming the other way other than about her family. Or, you know, isn't it sad to not be talking to either of your families? Or, you know, like... Yeah, you know, you know to call this an interview is... Uh, I mean, it's not incorrect, but it gives the wrong impression. Uh, what it is, is a staged airing of grievances, um, a desire to get one story out. And, like, you know... Oprah's role is not to, you know, rigorously interrogate the, you know, way that the story is being presented. It's to allow them to tell the story as they want to tell it. So, you know, if you listen, you're like, ah, you know, I kind of thought, huh, that's odd. Uh, But that's not the role of this interview. This isn't, you know, hard hitting journalist woman who's like, yes, but I thought you said that you like, no, that's not the kind of interview it is. And so that's one of the things that, you know, we will never know. There's not going to be a rigorous interrogation of like, oh, but I thought that you guys kind of wanted this or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone wanted any of this, but how it was handled is often where everybody gets destroyed. Yes. So um, I think the one, the thing that, um, oh, incidentally, there's also the claim that they were actually married three days before. Um, That was news. (laughs) Yeah, that, according to the Daily Mail, not true. Probably uh, the church vicar came forward and was like, that's just no. That's not what actually happens. That's not how you can get married. You probably just had like some kind of special interview kind of thing or something like that. Um, like registry? Like, cause like in, in England, you have to post bans in your town. And that means that you put your names up that you have an intention to marry on X date. And it's usually two weeks before your wedding bans are posted. They, they would see that for Charles and Camilla too. when they got married in Windsor because they had a town hall wedding. Yeah. To marry. And you can have a ceremony that's like, you know, a magistrate standing there with you and you sign some documents. But Yeah, but this is with the Archbishop of Canterbury that she's claiming this is happening. And I just, yeah. Behind the, the altar where you have to go sign all your papers. That's what they do then. Yeah, so it's like a secret, she says it's some sort of secret ceremony where they had vows for just the two of them. Like, I don't know what she thinks happens. <laughs> Perhaps she really did think that, but I I think that the Archbishop of Canterbury was not seeing himself as conducting a secret wedding because that's just not how that works. Was it like a commitment ceremony in a garden or something? Like, is that what she's talking about? Yeah, like maybe, you know, they were doing, they had a meeting and like a practice or something like that. But like, there's like rules about, you know, you have to have a certain number of witnesses and like archbishops don't do secret weddings for when they're about to hold like a real wedding that's just like they might have been like yes absolutely say your secret vows to you like but you didn't get married (laughs) like you know maybe they wanted to take a moment to themselves and say these things without the whole world watching cool i get that is a marriage to you that is your union but you know what then people are going to say and 
why do you care about this? It's not that I care. It's that you laid it out there on national television and you didn't substantiate it. Yeah, it's just, it's just part and parcel of, like, you know, a lot of things where we only get, like, one very small part piece of the pie, a very specific point of view. And, you know, I think it's pretty natural to be like, well, what's the whole, what's the whole entirety of the story? What's the whole, like, the different points of view? And, you know, the Church of England requires you to have two witnesses there, so you can't get married, just you, the couple, and the priest, at least not in there. It's just, it makes you, it just, it's a... It's a detail. It's not an important detail per se. Although I do think that there are people, and I don't necessarily think they're wrong, who would feel a little betrayed by that. Who would say like, you know, you had this big giant wedding. What do you mean you got married three days before? That's not the kind of thing that I really care about. But it is. it kind of plays into this whole question of like, you know, what you see, the staging of things, you know, what we're being, you know, what we get told, what we don't get told. Um, blah, 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 modern celebrity culture. <laughs> Sorry, quick programming note. Can you hear me all right? Because I'm using a different uh, thing. I, I, I hear you fine. Okay. So. so also people who don't who think everything is so authentic that it just touches your heart to pieces. There was some release of some sort that wanted us to note who made her dress. And that was a lotus on it. And for her, that was a symbol of birth and newness. And her makeup was muted to show her being down to earth. I Whatever. <laughs> like you know, like <laughs> and I there mean, was a oh shoot, a, bl- a ball of racial racial fire at the royal family. You better be wearing a peaceful lotus because you you're gonna need to be in touch with yourself with what's coming. It's gonna be really sad. Because what if yeah. Prince Philip dies this week? Like what if that happens? He's 99. He's been in the hospital for three weeks. Does Harry get to go back and be a part of the honor guard at the casket? Does you know what what? Is there going to be the, the traditional family funeral fight, you know, in the reception? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons that there had been, a, you know, a lot of, are you sure you want to do this now in coming up to the, the interview? Because, you know, the idea that this might not be in the best taste when um, with Prince Philip in the hospital. And I, well, let's talk for a second about, so this allegation that um, the, the big takeaway, the royal family is racist. Um, someone unspecified said something to Harry, apparently, about, um, you know, what color skin their child was going to have, or if he was going to be too dark or, or something of that nature. The, the specific language of what was said is not 100% clear. Um, and so we don't know if it's like, you know, clueless or just flat out awfully offensive. Um, neither one is okay, but there is, there is a difference between, you know, being cluelessly racist and being just flat out racy, race, racially racist. Um, and we don't know who said it immediately. People thought Philip because they were very like the palace well, the palace means the palace means the queen, honestly. Yeah history of saying some pretty ridiculous racial things, but he also had a, a history of being against apartheid and stuff. It's, it's very complicated, but you know, yeah. it's the first thing people thought. Yes. Now then they came out and they specified it wasn't Philip or the queen, but they won't say who. That's a because, cute game. Yeah. You know, but ostensibly because they don't want to ruin this person's life, but <laughs> I, too late. 
I, I, I'm not sure whether that's naivete or craftiness or good intentions gone horribly awry, but in our current culture, if you've paid any attention at all, <laughs> you know that you can't just be like, someone's super racist, but I'm not going to say who. I mean, yes. let's face it, no one likes it when someone pulls that on you. <laughs> you want to know who. This was, this was an edited program. They could have edited it and reworded it another way. They could have been clearer about it. It would, you know, if in this in this climate we are in, where we have never had greater awareness of suppressed histories or how racism and, and sexism ruins people's lives, if someone is in a position of power and is an influencer and you're going to level that at them even broadly, you should be prepared to name them, even if you can't substantiate it the way that would be perfect and tidy it all up legally. You should be able to name them so they can say something for themselves. Well, I mean, the uh, the really, you know, and perhaps this is the part where they didn't think this through. I don't know. Or maybe they thought it all through and this is exactly the effect they wanted is, you know, then is it William? Is it Kate? Is it Sarah who works for human resources? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it some like tertiary courtier who has an office with no windows? You know, is it <laughs> Lady Whistleston? Who... <laughs> Was it Princess Michael with her blackamoor awful brooch? Was it, uh, you know, Hugh Man from Jensen Jensen from the Equerries office? Who was it? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, those are very different. If it was William, I mean, that's huge. That's it, man. You yeah. know? If it's Bob, who, like, holds the door <laughs> sometimes, that's a different thing entirely. And um, it's the whole the whole royal family is stained with it. And, you know, in my survey of um, British tabloids this morning, because I kind of wanted to see how it went down. It doesn't look to me like Britain is interested in canceling the royal family over this. Um, so perhaps they will not bring down this will not bring down the monarchy. <laughs> but you reading all the different tabloids with your breakfast and your corgi sitting right next to you in your sunroom. I enjoy me some British tabloids because I can get like right to the heart of the matter on like various people's substance abuse problems. <laughs> like note that we're not going to sit here and, and have, you know, Oprah's official statement on it. And we're also not sitting here reading Piers Morgan. So like, you know, we're really trying, fair isn't even the word. We're just trying to tell you what we, what we saw and heard. Yeah, I did read Piers Morgan this morning. Surprise, surprise, he didn't yeah. think much of it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's his that's his role. And that's uh, his, his lucre. That's what how he makes his money. Exactly. So um the I actually filled out a survey with uh one of them to see if because they were gonna send me a report on how, how people were responding to the interview, a big poll, but I haven't gotten it yet. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see if it comes in sometime well, during the Responding positively this morning, I've seen in, in you know in, in formal polling and things like that because they dig this. They dig the whole talk about your feelings and and now we're living happier here. People want to see them happy. People grew up watching Harry suffer terribly, and you know they're rooting for him. They were happy when he met Megan, and she's a very impressive and ambitious person who wants to help people. But I just feel like we're being told 
all the things that they feel, but what have they, did, why, why wasn't there a question like, well, how is it going to be when you go back? Who would you like to and, see? I mean, that's the big question, isn't it? Like, can he go back? You know, leading up to this interview, I saw a couple polls about should Harry and Megan be stripped of everything they have left. There was, by the way, some. Um, okay, so I'm I'm not actually a Marxist, but every once in a while it comes out, like when I watch <laughs> Cribs. <laughs> is it like she's way more? We we we've worked in politics on opposite ends. She is not a Marxist. Marxist. No, I'm not a Marxist, but sometimes it comes out. <laughs> and I've got to be honest, like. My dad cut me off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why we had to do the Netflix deal. You know, <laughs> we live in Santa. <laughs> I live in Montecito. Like, I just, I couldn't with that. Like, I mean, I can't feel that sad for the fact that you have to live off of your inheritance. And, you I know, mean, Tyler Perry for helping them out while they were getting started. <laughs> if you buy a $14 million house, can't you afford some semblance of secu- private security? Well, all of Hollywood kisses your ass. I just, I just really can't. They'll never fly commercial again, thanks to Amal Clooney. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that when you have a baby, the feelings change. You, know, you have a wife and a child, and they're they're being hunted and all that. But that's why you buy a gated house in Montecito, which they did, and you get private security. I mean, if celebrities do it, that's what they do. Yeah, so there was this like my dad cut me off. I'm like, yeah. I mean, Harry looked really sad and just kind of he came in at the end there, like, and it was just like let's show him chucking the ball with the dog and some B-roll with the rescued chickens and and all these things that were sweet. I mean, they certainly hugged at my heart. I felt good watching them, but then I was just like, well, what about Harry? I mean, like we haven't asked any questions about how you feel about going home or about what would your yeah, mom- I mean. Say his mother would not be liking that the sons aren't speaking. Yeah, no, I mean, the one little like mention of his mom we got was like, my mom would be very unhappy with how things turned out, like, respective of yes, the media spotlight. I, I think your mom would not have been su- as surprised as you appear to be. <laughs> yeah. I think she would not be surprised by it. Yeah, you, you, the, the whole like, oh, I didn't think this would be this way is dumbfounding because the one thing that everybody thought was like, wow, this is going to be really hard from a spotlight perspective, you know? So you've been my friend since I was really young, like, teen. I guess, <laughs> fine. but we've been friends since we were teenagers and we're in our mid forties now. And when Princess Diana died, I was completely beside myself. I I was very obsessed with the royal family growing up. Obviously, I still have a bit of that in me if I'm doing a royal podcast. But in a way that I was just very reverent about the history and enjoying and horrified by some of the history. But it all was very interesting to me because it was so different from what I knew. I had a family that was having a lot of trouble. So I created a family in the royal family that I could always look up to. And Diana was this beautiful apex of that. He was motherly and she was like a teenager in her own way. And she was very beautiful and just having fun where other people seemed so dour and also kicking it to the system, which I always appreciate and compassionate about AIDS, compassionate about, um, you know, homeless things, all those things. And, and so, you know, that I really felt a lot about it when she died, I was not having a good time and I was struggling with Diana's stuff, like with Dodie Fayed and look at me on the yacht kissing this guy. And now I'm having my kids play with him and I've known him three days. And then, Oh, I remember. Yes. Crap with the back and forth nanny fighting and Tiggy and the abortions and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, this is gross, Diana. What are you doing? 
And then she died. And I was like, it just erased all of those doubts, not doubts, but, you know, I was evaluating why I, I admire someone. We all go through these crises when we admire someone and something disappoints us. So it's true. One, one group of people will say Diana died because the paparazzi chased her to death, hunted her and chased her to death. And that continues to this day. And it was definitely evident in the way Harry was talking and continues to speak. The paparazzi hounded her to death. And then I had to not say, but I have I had to teach myself to say, and she chose not to wear her seatbelt. And those who were in that car, that one person who had their seatbelt on lived. And she only had interior bleeding from being thrown around and a broken leg. That was it. She was not on the side of the car that engine went up into. So I had to struggle just internally because I was too embarrassed to talk to my peers about how I was really struggling this. I'm like, the paparazzi chased her and she, as a mother, chose not to wear a seatbelt. Metaphorically, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, she was riding high with people with private security and drunk and whatever. And she thought it was okay to not just stay in the hotel, but to get in the car and be and not say, stop this chase. They're just going to catch up with us. Just stop the chase. You know what I mean? To stop the car. She didn't do any of that. So some people will say the royal family are racist. Buckingham Palace is a death star of colonial, you know, racial gloom. And others will say there is an element of that in all of this history and not but. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think they have chosen to be very public about all of this to the detriment of all of their families and themselves. Yeah. You know, the thing is, we have interviews like this are intended to give us this feeling that we know these people. Yes. And we always have to remember that we don't. You know, the queen makes it very easy to remember that we don't know her because (laughs) she never gives us the opportunity to know her. Everything that we think we know, we know speculatively through people's reports, people's interviews, people's tell-all books, you know, and then fiction like The Crown, which has its own problem because we're just seeing a outsider's perspective you know i noticed the uh other day i was like counting princess diana movies because hulu has one now about the uh, australia trip there's the one with Kristen stewart that's coming out um mm-hmm. that's about the sandringham christmas we just had the crown and you know all of these it's almost like that year back in the 90s when it was just all like armageddon asteroid movies um, like this yeah, is the- yeah yeah disaster movie of our moment um and you know why do we watch disaster movies so that we can have that like smugness of like you know seeing the it all coming and like knowing better but they all have this diana this specific diana that is entrenched in the, our culture at the moment um and it bugs me because okay. yeah. it just reduces her to this one thing it like takes out all of her agency she is something upon which things happen. She has no role in crafting her image. She has no role in like creating her own place in the media and her creating her own place to make Charles look like a shit, which she totally did. These are meeting and having you lunch at San Lorenzo with a tabloid reporter who the next day she'll say she doesn't know. You know, she did that. She was a master of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the, you know, she's, and I, I suppose in, after her death, her estate or her brother have all played into crafting this <laughs> specific image of Diana. And I think it kind of, you know, and we buy into it just like, you know, there's this like crafting this specific uh, story around the royal family and the specific story around Harry. And, you know, we're only getting what we're told, what we're meant to think about, what we're meant to take away. It, it bugs, um, you like- know. 
brown people treat that as an, even, even Harry alluded to that, that he'd rather watch that. The crown becomes your history and the way things are told. These are individuals. These are families. These are people like us who have, maybe they live in an extraordinary lifestyle that we don't, we don't understand, but they, sometimes they don't get along and it's not the end of the world. Sometimes they have really big falling outs and it's the end of a family relationship. Have some compassion. If you're, if you're going to be so authentic and have compassion, think critically about this before you start purchasing. I remember after Diana died, I felt guilty for all the magazines I bought with her just to look at her dresses because I felt like I was paying someone to hunt her in the end. That's was me blaming myself. I'm like, she didn't wear a seatbelt. That's me now. You know? <laughs> don't blame yourself. You didn't do that. I mean, and and I mean, people don't realize how much intention goes into it. Like, you know, going yeah. back to Diana, because that's a, a non-flammable subject. Um, yeah. The famous picture of her in the black dress, you know, she's gone out. This is like, you know, she looks awesome. She's going to show them all in the black dress, like as though she just kind of happened to put it on as though it wasn't a, like a series of extremely specific decisions, you know, and to be photographed in it. Fuck you dress on the podcast. Yeah. There's a whole layer of decisions and it almost wasn't worn until it was like, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know, she is very, she was extremely good at like communicating in these ways that, you know, because until that big interview, she wasn't doing those kinds of things. So she was communicating through the press in that way. Oh, and and that was the night that Charles was doing the interview, his interview, his Jonathan Dimbleby interview to counter her interview with Martin Bashir. So he was doing that interview talking about his side of the story. And that's the night she wore that dress. And got all the attention for it because she was gorgeous in it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, good for her, but it is a decision. It's a decision to manipulate the media and therefore the like way that we see it. It was a very successful one. Um, but we have to remember that that's the context that this is all happening in. You know, I mean, rescue chickens for the love of God. <laughs> I love I love a rescue chicken. You, you know this, that that's my I, world. I, I know. It, and Anne is a giant fan of rescue chickens. So as a rescue chicken cynic here, I'm just going to have to But say, you got to have the cat. You have to see the other side of the story. So that's what I'm only here for. Is that like, um, well, I actually think you're very sincere in your rescue of chickens. But um, I don't think that they're out there every morning taking care of the chickens. I think someone else takes care of the chickens most of the time. They're about out there as much <laughs> Ivanka was posting pictures of her with her chicken coop in New Jersey, you know, and we love teaching the children about farm to table. They're like, the, their toddlers were grabbing chickens out of the thing and Jared was sitting there in a t-shirt, you know? Like, yeah, like <laughs> once every six days you go out and check on the chickens. Like, yeah, like are you going to take the kids to go look at the chickens or are you cleaning out the coop when it's 35 degrees? There's a difference between us and them. <laughs> exactly. It's not well, just <laughs> Are not just like us. They do not clean out layers and layers and layers of poop and where did that one even come from and that's mold isn't it yeah <laughs> like most of us do not get to parade our rescue chickens on television as demonstrations of how wholesome we are so. i feel like now i feel like bernie mac america now that you feel like you america now that you feel like you know megan and harry and you have sat in their well actually gail king's yard with them and gotten to see the true selves and authentic selves and you understand how evil everyone is around them that drove them to this let us remember that we are always being had that doesn't mean they're trying to have us or they're trying to lie to us or that they lied about anything it was all the truth to them 
It's all their truth. It's their lives. It's horrible. It's sad. But you know what? Remember another horrible and sad story. When you think of Camelot, what do you think of? You don't think of Robert Goulet singing it. You don't think of like... I do. (laughs) I don't think that Megan is Evita. I just still keep thinking of Che narrating it all. So... (laughs) <laughs> but speaking of Marxists, so uh, K- Jackie Kennedy made that all up and she did it as a way of coping with this absolutely horrible, violent nightmare she had just gone through a few weeks before. She's chain smoking, sitting in a chair. She called a journalist, William Manchester, who she trusted, who she knew would tell the narrative the way she wanted it told. And she created, she evoked this musical Camelot to say that Jack liked to listen to that for bed. And they wove Camelot into this article for Life magazine. And now we just call it Camelot. Like it's, we don't even know what it means. Like we don't even question it. Like, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, we know better as Americans. We know the Kennedy saga. We know <laughs> yeah. that that is not true. And yet we still do it. And we still invest it with all that romanticism. And we get mad when it doesn't have it. If someone were to do a like realer thing, we'd be like, no, no, we just want the melodrama. Don't give us all the gross, icky, ordinariness of it. So. So, and this morning on Twitter, I'm reading F you, F your family, F, you know, F William, all this stuff. When the queen dies, it's all over. Who cares? And you know what? That's that's social media. And you got had because you don't know anything about what I, mean, I would love to know what happened this morning, you know, at the palace. Like, oh, God, okay. would I ever. I mean, who, who, who's going to brief the queen? You know, who did that? That was fun. I know. I mean, I think the the questions are, you know, what will happen to the monarchy? And I don't, I think that's bigger than this. Like if the monarchy is in trouble, it was already in trouble. Yeah. Um, And if it's not, it's not, I, I, you know, I honestly don't know. I don't, I don't don't have my finger on the pulse of any of that, but um, I do think that it is, you know, arguably the biggest problem with the monarchy is that the crown goes to Charles next and he's still a divisive figure. Um, that, that Diana thing just clings to him. And I think it's fingered for this racial thing. Then he's, he's out. That's true. You know, it's possible it's Charles that didn't get mentioned. William. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's so, you know, we did have one of the things is that Harry says in the interview that, you know, William and his dad, they're both trapped in the system like family. I think that's one of those things that's way more telling of your own state of mind. Let them than, speak for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that Charles is trapped within the system, but on the other hand, I mean, as Harry's actions demonstrated, like you can leave you know, maybe they did made a decision not to because of what it meant, the symbolism of it. Um, I don't really get the impression that William was trapped, to be perfectly honest. I've never gotten that impression. But, you know, Harry is pretty well pr- protected after their mom died. It's a little too little too late. But I think that great efforts were made to protect their privacy while they were at university and, and all that. I, I, I feel that, you know, let them speak for themselves, but you better name a name. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, and you know, one of the things I don't know that they thought all the way through is that the the desire for a name is going to just build and build and build and build until you throw some poor bastard on on that on that fire. And I feel sorry for whoever it is, because, you know, either someone's going to have to fall on a sword, 
you know, hypothetically say it was William. Like, it will never be William. Oh, God, Someone, that's oh, your honor. Like, what it was like, it was like, William, but Charles throws himself under the bus to protect his son and their legacy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is the problem with these kinds of allegations. If you can't just come with it, like, all the way correct, is it really, I mean, are you really realizing that the the damage it's going to do to everyone? Because basically everyone is cast with suspicion now until an actual name Yeah, you have radiuses. So Megan's talking about, here's my experience as a person of color in this environment. Here's how, you know, courtiers treated me. Here's how the press treated me. But she took it further and took it to the direct immediate family. Yeah. Or she, I mean, we, he, he, she, I mean, they did, they, they did all this together. It's not. Yes. She, yeah. It yeah. is. It is both of them. And, you know, they, they, they both need to own it. The other question is, can Harry go back? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I've been cut off, you know, like there's always an honor guard when there's a Royal funeral. I'm sorry, listeners. We're all sorry to think about it and know it, but there's going to be a funeral soon of some sort. And do they get to be in the honor guard? Does he get to be in the honor guard? Where would Megan be seated? Oh, I hate that kind of stuff. It seems so petty, but it's, it's very symbolic and it goes into historical images. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that Megan is pregnant and therefore not oh, traveling, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, but if. The gender of the baby on TV, which I, that's their choice. I'm just a little over gender reveals. I'm like, <laughs> if you want to keep it private, why don't you just keep it private? But that's that. They just chose to do that and it was sweet. So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's sweet. Um, but it, it kind of factors into the whole, you know, what is being presented to us. Yeah. You know love us love our like you know family love our love our life you know and that's 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 cool um automatically sets you up to think that william and kate are calculating there's that whole like look how different we are from them uh narrative that was going on makes it look and that's just so unfair well you know a little bit what it sort of felt like i mean i want to i want to bag on harry a little bit here because i'm just freaking out of patience with him yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I have a lot of sympathy for Megan. I may I may think that she's a little naive for stepping into it. I think that some of her complaints are a little like you know, woe is me in terms of like no one taught me how to curtsy kind of stuff. But you know, I believe that she had a really difficult time. I feel incredibly bad for her in terms of the you know struggles she had there. Um, but then like the question keeps popping up. I'm like, what the hell, Harry? Like. You know, Mr. Like beacon of like mental health awareness. Like, were you not paying attention to your wife? Like, did you not notice this? What the hell, Harry? You know, person who's like, you know, Mr. Commonwealth, like traveling all over, advocating for the, you know, the underprivileged. Like, did you not like, did you not notice? Did you not step in? Did you not, you know, do anything? Then, you know, then we get this like, woe is me thing from him. You know, everyone's trapped. Like, no, I think that you felt a little trapped or you want to prove to them that you're happier now. And so you said that, you know, Oh, I've been cut off by my dad. So we had to do Netflix. Like, Oh, Jesus. Post-traumatic stress from his mother, you know, and, and all of that. I mean, they, they, and let me just say this, William and Kate and Harry and Meghan together, right before they left, launched a mental health awareness program in England, or, the, but they're, or they're not launched it. Well, they did launch it. And they're a patron of one. 
And they were doing all kinds of PSAs together about the importance of mental health. So you don't think, I mean, did they just like say and 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 roll, turn the camera off and then not talk to each other about stuff? Yeah. I mean, is it all just show? I mean, you guys keep doing interviews with like soccer players and stuff about it. You'd think that you'd be a little more keyed in on these things, you know, and does he feel guilty that he wasn't maybe he wasn't paying, didn't know she was going to kill herself or like try to do that or like that's a huge thing to say like it was when diana said it when she said that she was cutting herself and throwing herself down i mean steps. it is huge even if you know it's some of it might be um she said it was while well, she's pregnant so it's actually very <laughs> much a like you should be paying attention and like you know getting people the help they need immediately like this should be on your radar as yeah. a possibility um and, you know, my dad stopped taking my calls, you know, all this kind of stuff. It just felt like he's hairy. He just acts like he has no agency here. And, and it, he does tell us that both Diana and Fergie, for all their human foibles, we are all faulted vessels, always took duty to the queen very seriously and always urged their kids never and themselves to never attack the whole thing. So it does feel a little awkward if Harry has to go back. Like he's, he feels like he's made this big statement, like, look how happy we are. Everything is fine now. I'm, you know, so much happier now. I'm not trapped. Or I can be next to the coffin. (laughs) But it, I don't know. And it's just so hard for me to figure out, like, is it with an awareness that this will be, you know, a huge rift or is it like ignorant of the, of what it's going to do? And it's just, I, I haven't, I can't, I couldn't tell from their body language or, you know, yeah. anything like that. Like, is there, there awareness are, of the effect or not? There are a lot of questions that could have been asked since nothing was barred, but a close friend of yours happens to be doing the interview. But I mean, um, not that you'd want a stranger who's hostile, you know, you don't want a hostile reporter, but like, you know, you both don't have a great relationship with your families right now. How does that affect uh, your raising your family or, you know, how them knowing their history and traditions or how, how have you gotten to talk to Prince Philip? How do you feel about what's going on, you know, at home or how is COVID, you know, um, how is your, your year away from everyone? Has it helped you make decisions more closely together because you're not being interfered with or, you know, just and also your mother taught you all about homelessness. Now that you live in Los Angeles, which has a huge homeless prog- problem, you know, what do we not know about the homeless that you'd like to share from your experiences? Like those are the kind of questions I would have asked, not that it matters to the five people who listen to this, but I think that it's <laughs> a bit more substance. Yeah, I, I would have, you know, I would have wanted to know, like, people say that you're going to remake the role of the royal family. Are you? Is that what you're trying I mean, to do? What do you what, what do you mean by that? Because I wonder how much we are just projecting onto them. I yeah. think almost entirely. I think we hugely project onto them. I did not see a couple that has the intention of remaking the royal family. I, have a, I see a couple who just wants to, like, kind of live as, like, you know, sort of wealthy celebrity types. Make their own money and do causes they care about, but ha- maintain a certain lifestyle. That's what yeah, I Yeah. Like, in fact, if anything, I don't remotely see someone who wants to remake the role of the Royal family. I see two people who desperately want to be away from anything like that. Yeah. Um, because otherwise <laughs> yeah. they would be back in England, remaking the role of the Royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Cause guess what? We don't have one in America. 
I know, and we're not going to, and <laughs> we are shortest tension spans. <laughs> and yeah. that shit out of here, you know, we had a war about that. But I, I, this morning, the racial and the predictory and all of the things I saw on social media made me turn it right off because I I don't want to see any more memes from Game of Thrones, tell them it was me, all that crap, you know, I'm just like, yeah, well, you know, Harry and Meghan shared a lot and that was very brave to do, but they also probably made some mistakes in how they delivered it. And now it's not going to be what they thought it was going to be. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that what would probably disappoint them in, you know, if if they had come to our imaginary PR agency, we would have warned them, <laughs> is that this is just going to come down to who was racist. Who was yeah. it? Who in the palace was racist? This is going to be the like the palace is racist interview. That's what is the takeaway, not the you were treated badly yeah. interview. So. <laughs> you down net uh, trust me the media will come after you next if you do something to diss them they won't give a shit about your mental health when you when you do something that doesn't feed them but you fed them a banquet last night yeah and that's actually you know one of the things that you know i want to be like you had a really nice one but like there's some nasty media that's going to come after you now it's going to hound you i don't know if you thought that this was going to like get you distance but it's not and it's not fair and it's not right but that's how it is and you've been participating in this culture with the media so you you can you can totally avoid it and just be like okay we're quiet and we're gonna you know send, keep zooming with the queen and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves and with our friends but you know this the you know this is i think it was like leak 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 and then punch is what happened because now it's just going to be hashtag racist hashtag you know god don't save the queen or whatever i'm making that up but that's <laughs> myopic and when the racism thing comes up and it's so important and it's something we have been so poor at dealing with as a culture and so tragic i mean when you say that man you are canceled here yeah and i mean i just it just boggles my mind that you know that this is the takeaway that i mean part of me just wants to say like they had to have known that this would be the takeaway that this would be the effect and that this is an intentional like effort to basically kind of to some level bring down the palace but i don't know when i watch it i just don't see the two those two people as like thinking that that's the effect that they're going to have i think they see it as like a point of a litany of issues that they had like when we have a when you are like mad at your you know aunt or your sister or something and you're like well you know she stole my boyfriend and she didn't ask if she could use my shoes and that one time when she brought the car back it was empty yeah. and she like said i was fat <laughs> like it's just one that's of like the whole bridesmaid crying oh but it was really me who cried what, yeah, who, why did you talk about that when you're leveling such heavy shit at the world? Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's just this litany of like, here's all the things that went wrong. And I don't think that it like occurred to them in this litany that like we were going to look at it and be like, I don't give a crap about the bridesmaid dresses. But <laughs> yes, yeah, William racist. He can't be king. There's like an algorithm. Yes. Like, let's focus on whether the possible future king of England is a vicious racist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been done before. I mean, so that wouldn't be news to us that a king was viciously racist. Yes. Also, you know, it's very interesting. Um, there was a picture I saw where someone was being critical of Megan's prize prize. But that picture of her with these huge diamond chandelier earrings on that Mohammed bin Salman gave her. MBS. Americans, mm -hmm. you know. 
So like, they're like, is she going to get rid of those earrings or is she going to keep wearing them in public? Or, you know, like, <laughs> I, 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 I was just like, oh God, my head hurts. Just all of it. <laughs> they're probably blood diamonds. I had to add that much. <laughs> 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 So we, we've done the best we can to, to evaluate our takeaway here. But remember, the only thing, and we're a media thing here too, I'm asking, is that we're losing critical thinking and we get caught up in the psychodrama and the melodrama and all of it's real and all of their feelings are real. But guess what? My feelings are real too and I have bad taste in my mouth after it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the only way you can kind of look at it is just remembering that you are seeing a you're seeing a performance of sorts that doesn't make it not like real you know their real perspective their real feelings but it's it's still what we have been what we have been just what they have decided to show us this is what we walk away with and try to say you know try to evaluate as best we can what's the, the end game there yeah i mean i guess i see two people who definitely need to chill out in california a little while longer <laughs> Maybe do several different kinds of chilling out while they're at it. (laughs) I don't think this yoga is going to cut it. I think there needs to be some, I think my friend Sharky needs to go visit them in his van and (laughs) drop off some tokens for them. I mean, I do unsaid because it's not that kind of interview and I doubt Oprah would like think of this as a bad thing, but you know, I am kind of curious, like, is this really the right culture for you guys? Is this the culture you want to be part of? Is this the... Because it's got its own problems, the celebrity culture of the West Coast. And, and also the cancel culture atmosphere. It's it's going to take you next. It's just, don't, you ride that train with the media, just like Prince Albert started to try to save the media. It might be what undoes it. I mean, monarchy. It might be what undoes it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's you went to a friendly outlet to help you, but I mean, I don't know that you really wanted to, to how many metaphors can we work into this? Yeah, we're just, <laughs> we're just to say we really, we really do hope that they succeed in the things that they're trying to do. And also I kind of found it to be um, very toxic as an interview. So yeah, yeah. It, that, that's, the, that's my, takeaway that i'm stealing from you then okay also the thing about how i feel really bad for megan um but i also found this interview eyebrow raising in many ways so. yeah. Yeah. choices were made you know yeah. clicking the seatbelt. i don't know yeah. you know yes. you, but they're not mutually exclusive you don't have to be team this or team that and i'm telling you right now Anna and Malia are not team this or team that because that's bs and nobody has to act that way no so although i did feel a little like tyra banks last night yeah. in that one i was like i was rooting for you I we know. were all rooting for you. What is going on? Right. Y'all so. just take a break from interviewing and launching every two seconds. Yeah, for really do what you said you were going to do. Cause I think it actually would be great. More pictures of you out there in the community and doing your stuff. Yeah. I like you. So let's, let's just wrap up. We've got a few, just a few minutes left. Um, and then we can talk about maybe some happy things that we've heard maybe or different things. <laughs> <laughs> okay well yeah so in most important news the queen bot has new two new corgi puppies Yay, Yay. so maybe maybe someone just got them to her for the got them for her for the stress i don't know but new puppies. i think puppies are a great way of dealing with stress i agree she needs more than ever 
And uh, Prince Philip has been in the hospital for over two weeks now. It started with, a, I think, an infection, but he also has a heart problem. So they transferred him to, I think, St. Bartholomew's Hospital from the hospital he was in. And that's where they do surgeries on the heart. So Prince Philip is 99. Let me be, let me underscore this without any ghoulishness that if he's 99 and he's still in the hospital and going through this stuff during a pandemic, et cetera. Um, if it's not good. Comes, not good. And it, and it dovetails back into our conversation about Harry coming home. Yes. Shoot. We should have done that. And then the corgis last. I know. I know. Uh, but, but can we come up something? Um, Princess Eugenie had her baby and we reported we on go. And then um, Fergie has been on her, uh, her, she has a Instagram, like Royal story time with Fergie. It's really cute. She like makes hummus or something and wears a tea hat, uh, like reads a book. Well, Fergie. Really happy. And, and, you know, there's, there's someone who, who went through the full media trip. Oh, that's true. <laughs> there is someone who went, she did an Oprah interview. That's right. And how much people were just disgusted with her for the, by the way she acted and little Prince Andrew doing what he did while yeah. he's look, look like, while he's looking like his shit don't stink. So, but you know what? She Andrew, and, probably the only person who's not bummed out by this. <laughs> oh, and Pr- Prince, Prince Philip hates all of these women. <laughs> he hates all of them. <laughs> all of them. He's like, I hate all of you. Um, but <laughs> just don't even look at me. Don't come near the hospital. Don't no tributes, nothing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the queen, she's, she's watching her husband fade. And, yeah, this is, you know, yeah. the person who kind of held her up, even though he was a pretty stark asshole half the time, he really did a job of preserving that, that the royal life for England in the 20th century. And so this is an end of the era, whether anybody likes it or not, with a dollop of bullshit, you know, there always is because they're in the public eye. I hope that she's doing okay. Oh, 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 how do we forget to mention this? So remember we were talking about the fuck you dress and that was the same night that Charles was doing his interview. Right, right. Simultaneously, while Meghan and Harry's interview was playing in the States. Oh, that's right. The media, Buckingham Palace released a montage, a montage video of <laughs> all of the royals, young and old, doing service work during pandemic time. That's right. That's so that right. Their, their counter programming. Yeah, that's about as much of a fuck you that I guess you get out of a palace. Nice fuck you with the strawberry cupcake with sprinkles on it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very friendly, like, look, we're not going to get, we're still working here. Yeah. But, oh, my God, the Palace Press office this morning. I don't know how many co- pictures of coffee are probably. Yeah, I, I feel for them. <laughs> okay, well. Right, Monty, it began, began our interview, and Monty, the corgi, is going to end our interview. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as you can tell by the barks. <laughs> Monty is unhappy with the direction of our <laughs> podcast this week. and okay, Guys, just ease up on each other, and, don't, you know, don't jump to conclusions until people can speak for themselves. That's my take can't we all just get along? Ease up, man. <laughs> abide. Abide. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Anne. And I'm Malia. And we are the Royal Subjects. <laughs> <laughs>